was a good Saturday morning. Hidden treasures revealed. Just looking forward to seeing what Yah's going to bring us today. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Yeah, Sean, we're almost about halfway through August. You know, it's interesting. We always say time flies, but really time doesn't move any faster, or any slower. It's a matter of the the pace that you're going, if you're going at a fast pace, then it just seems like time goes by. But So how are you doing on this Saturday morning? I'm doing pretty good. I've been up since 4 o'clock Eastern, so I've had some time to have coffee and talk in the aisle. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to where they're going with this one. This is another something interesting as we talk about you don't know what they'll bring up and something i didn't have on my mind but is a another functional thing to talk about and learn from learn with well there's really not anything that we can't talk about that will reflect the truth of god one way or the other whether it's for a functional or a dysfunctional perspective uh, we could just come in with nothing on our mind and just start talking about paying tolls or uh, going to the hospital, and it'll all tie back to faith. That's the beauty part about the design that Mother had with Abba is that everything in creation is there to tell you a story, and some things are there to show you don't do this because that's dysfunctional and there's a curse for that and do these things because they're functional and there's a blessing for that. And if you go back into the Hebrew, the uh, words good and evil can be uh, translated to function and dysfunction, um, which really makes a lot of sense when God talked about creating, when they created the world and they said that it is good, it's functional, uh, that there was going to be corruption in the world. And the Bible even said that God turned the uh, created things over to corruption. Well, that's so we could have the opportunity to choose them or to reject them. They give you that um, They give you that ability because... They don't want to force you to do anything. And 
I had a couple of different topics going through my mind, and I uh, just happened to see a, a short video somebody did uh, yesterday, and <clears throat> the statement made in it was, God will keep you from doing stupid things, but they will let you fall. And like part of the the reference to was riding a bicycle. And I understand that, you know, in Christianity, the way it's been taught, the brainwashing and mind control that um, there's a lot of things that have been put to God's going to do that they're not going to do. And the hope is, is that this person just seeks God with all of their heart and then they'll, they'll see the reality of it. Uh, because I mean, just that statement is really a contradiction in terms. And I'm only bringing this up not to put that person down for what they posted, but just to bring out the truth reality of God. And yeah, I know that there are times when Christianity will not like what we're saying. And truly, we're not against Christianity. We're against the falseness of the things that have been taught, that have been programmed, that people are looking into. And truly, we, us to Christianity, uh, we view it very similar as Messiah to the Jews, as uh, Paul to the Gentiles, uh, Peter to the Jews, that they didn't like the message that was coming, but it was coming for their uh, for their best interest because we gain nothing from this. There's, there's nothing for us to gain. And so when we look at this aspect of that that statement was made and again if you don't listen to what you say then you don't know what you're saying and a lot of times we do that where we speak what we think we know but we don't evaluate what we're saying and how it's coming out and does it contradict because just in that saying uh, without that person realizing it it's it's contradiction because well God will keep you from doing something stupid, but they will let you fall. Well, how can you fall if they keep you from doing something stupid? And again, this is not I want to make it clear that this is not to put the that person down because the hope is is that they listen to themselves when they're speaking and work to remove the uh, contradictory aspects um, because it, it lies within a hypocritical perspective, but people don't say it and they don't do it intentionally. There's not intention. Now there could be some people that may do it with intention but the largest majority of people, they're, they're acting and operating out of their programming. And a lot of times, not just from a, what they've been taught about faith, but just what they've been taught in the world. 
they just they function out of what they've been programmed to do. It's in their lower conscience. They're not thinking about it. They're not correlating. They're not tying their conscious mind to their subconscious mind. So therefore, they don't have the ability to see the contradictions that you, you think something in your conscious mind, but then you say something out of your heart, which is your subconscious, and they don't match. And it's really important because having faith, one of the biggest problems is hypocrisy. This was pointed out by Messiah, was pointed out by uh, uh, Peter and uh, Paul. Hypocrisy is a huge problem because you're telling other people that they're wrong in what they're doing, but you haven't figured out how to get away from being wrong in what you're doing. And therefore you stay as a hypocrite and you contradict yourself when you tell somebody to repent and get away from sin and you continue to sin. And this is uh, just a, a, a big thing that people need to understand. If you're seeking God with heart, this is an important aspect for people to know that God is not going to do the work for you. And I know that there are places in the Bible where you can perceive that that's what God's saying. I will provide all your needs according to my glorious riches. Well, you could misconstrue that, but you have to take it along with everything else that God has said. This, this is where if you skip through the Bible and you just pick and choose verses that feel good, that bolster your position instead of, you know what, I'm going to look up every scripture that I can find that has to do with this topic. And then I'm going to work, walk through the balance of seeing what exactly it's telling me so that I can do what is right and what is fair and what is just. And another one is the uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. We mentioned that one on the last podcast that I know the plans I have for you that I'm going to do it all for you that you don't have to worry about it. I've got this roadmap out and you're just going to do it. Well, that takes away free will choice. And that means that you don't have a choice, which means you're forced to do it. And therefore what, what benefit is faith? I uh, with this aspect, God does not do it for you. And then somebody might argue, well, okay, well, what about the blessings though? Because, well, God will just, God will bless me. I, uh, moreover than others. And again, if we go back to a few podcasts, to the ones we talked about, about the blessings and curses, that everything, when you have faith in God, everything in your life becomes a blessing. And you have faith in God. I have faith in God. Why would God favor me more than you to give me more 
than what you're going to get. Now, for those who are in faith in God, they will enhance the blessing. I I don't have any uh, issue with that. You know, they say, we'll provide all your needs. Well, we don't know what all our needs are. And all our needs, a lot of times, our needs are the, uh, hey, check this out or look into it because you don't realize that uh, you're doing this and, well, that's a blessing. But we don't, if we don't understand the blessings and curses, it doesn't feel good. No discipline uh, feels good at the time, but later on it produces a harvest of righteousness. Well, as long as it produces a harvest of righteousness, it was a blessing for you. So it's not a matter of you're going to get, you have faith in God and you're going to have all these riches and all these uh, vacation houses and uh, you get to go on vacations to just live your life on vacation. And that's not the case. You just take everything and because all things work for the function, for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his glorious purpose. All things. So that means that when I have faith in God, all things are a blessing to me. But God not being a respecter of peoples, meaning that, well, uh, you have more money than me, so he's going to bless you more than me. No. He, he's going to bless you the same amount he's going to bless me. He does, he's not a respecter of people from that position, from position. But he is a respecter of peoples because he's going to favor those who choose to sacrifice their life to have faith in them over those that choose not to have favor. And again, that's where the blessings and the curses come in. If you choose that you're going to uh, have favor from God, then you're going to walk in their ways, and you have to walk in their ways. The Old Testament says, walk in my ways, follow my commands, do these things, and it will give you long life in the land you're going into. He didn't say, I will walk you through these things, and I will do these things for you. No. You have to do it because in the midst of it, you have to face the struggle and the suffering that come along with the journey. And Messiah, he had some good times, but he also had uh, people uh, coming after him. Uh, He had people... uh, you know, with the crucifixion uh, beating on him. And so he had struggles in this life. He had suffering. The Bible makes it clear he had suffering. But the key is, what did he learn from his suffering? He learned obedience from what he suffered. And the objective goal for us is the same thing. That when you feel like you're suffering through something, no matter what, obey God. Because that was his mindset. And again, he came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps. And so if he didn't 
have just this uh, glory and uh, pleasant life while he was here, why would we expect that we would have that when he came to be an example that we would follow in his footsteps? And even he himself said that if they hate me, they, they'll hate you. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. If they kill me, they'll kill you. And so he was making it clear, you're going to have struggle and suffering. And they, like we said before, the determination is whether your suffering and struggle is for faith purposes, which is a blessing, which is uh, good because you'll be in the kingdom, or it's for curses, which you'll end up in the abyss in the end. God's going to favor those that have faith in them without fail because they're going to protect those people who have faith. And that protection at one point was a physical protection, uh, and we can get some physical protection from God, but our protection is in our eternal life, that God has that locked in. Nobody can take us out of his hand. The only way uh, for me to leave that is for me to step out of God's hand. Nobody can snatch me. Nobody can uh, push me out of it. it. It's it's an impossibility. But I stepped into the hand of God, and God keeps that hand open so that if I choose I don't want it anymore, then he'll let me go because that goes along with the fact that God's not going to force anybody to do anything. Even the things like with Pharaoh, and God knew what would spark Pharaoh to do what he did when the Israelites were in Egypt, but God didn't force Pharaoh. He didn't force Pharaoh to do it. You know, he didn't force Abraham to put Isaac on the altar. He didn't force Sarah to uh, tell the, the countries that they went into that she was Abraham's sister, not his wife. He didn't force Noah to make the boat. All the way down the line, he didn't force Joshua to cross the Jordan. He didn't force the priest to carry the ark into the water. No, they acted on their own volition in accordance with the faith that they had. And those that disobeyed God were left in the desert dead. That's what the time of testing in the desert is, to see who's going to obey and who's not. And this is part of the faith journey, that when you repent to God, okay, now You've come out of your Egypt, but you have to go into the desert because God wants to see, are you going to obey me or are you going to get uh, weary in the desert and start to grumble against me? Just like the Israelites did, grumbling about the manna, grumbling about not having water, grumbling about, well, you brought us out here to die and let's go back to Egypt and doing all these things. They had to do it. Peter wasn't forced to follow Messiah. Messiah didn't say, Peter, you have to follow me. No, Peter, come, follow me. 
Nobody was forced to do anything. Judas was not forced to do what he did. Because if he was forced, and if God did force people, then we would truly have argument or complaint against God. But God says, no, no, I I created this from the beginning so that you have the freedom to choose. If you want to be with me, that means you have to abide and agree with everything that I am about, and I do because I'm right and I'm fair and I'm just, and I'm not about, God's not about me, meaning themselves. God's about everybody that is involved in God. So when you become in faith through circumcision of the heart, you become just as important to God as they themselves are. And they they view it from that perspective. But if you're not in that, then you don't get that favor. And that doesn't make God, God's not respecting people in that position. What he's doing is he's respecting the decision that if you make a decision, then you'll be favored. And if you make the right decision, you'll be favored. But you have to go through your time of testing in the desert where you're going through suffering, you're going through struggle, you're, you're, you're having sins constantly come at you and even increase more than you've had it before in your life to see what is your mindset of obedience towards God. They know that you're not capable of uh, defeating that sin. What they want to see is what your mindset is. No, I don't agree with this. It's not right. I will fight it till the day I die. And then you prove to God that you're going to fight it till the day you die. Then, okay, now you've learned the obedience that comes from Messiah. And now you get to have the circumcision of the heart, which allows you to have that entrance into the kingdom. But even after we have circumcision of the heart, there's still work that we must do. God's not doing it for us. So I'll just uh, turn it over to you for a little bit and see where Mother takes it, and and we'll just get into more as we go along. You ever have those times as we're talking or not even at the podcast where we're walking and you just keep having a word, just a trigger word, just and it keeps. This was one of those as I was listening. It was just like the word was just, the word was probably said, I don't even know how many times to say 10, 15, 20 times and really spoke out, stuck out to me about what Yah does. And this is a word that just numerous times in the world is spoken and people think they understand what it is. And it's the word faith. We know from teaching of Yah that faith also means trust. And the word of God says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those that come to Yah must believe that they exist and are the rewarder of those that diligently seek them. And when you mention the word that Yah will not force anybody, that faith is about what you do. Because if Yah forces you, then there's no faith on your part. It's just like being under law that the law is not a faith, that what the law says you must do to where the law says it, I do it well, but your faith should be, I'm doing this because I want to do it. It's pleasing to God. So there's a transformation. But the way that Yah sees 
that you ultimately have faith in them is by what you do in response to what the Word of God says. You had mentioned Noah and Abraham. If God said, all right, Noah, here's the materials for the ark, and I'm going to build it for you, then he has no faith in God because there's no trust involved. Therefore, there's no proof to God that you believe in them. You just, you're doing this because I have to. And what Yah is looking for is, yes, there's a time where you're under obligation because you're looking to escape punishment, but that's to transform to, I'm not concerned about punishment. I'm doing what I'm doing because it's what I want to do. And because my desire is to please God, that's why I'm doing this. So there's a transformation, but that comes by faith. But look at the world that we're in now. Look how the world is transferring to, we want everybody to do everything for us. If I'm hungry this morning after we leave here, I could do one of two things. I could go home and I could make breakfast on my own, or I could say, no, I want somebody to do it for me. So I'm going to go elsewhere. And this is not saying anything against that because I, we eat out and stuff like that. It's just from the concept of you want somebody else to do it for you. And that's the training of, well, I don't feel like doing this. So let somebody else do it for me. But what lesson do you learn on how to do something if somebody does it for you? We were talking about a ceiling fan. I would just put it in for me. Well, yeah, I'll have the benefit of the ceiling fan, but what a better benefit to do it myself, meaning you could help me, but let me do the work and you show me how, and then I learn how to put in a ceiling fan. Then I can teach other people how to put it in. And that's a better benefit than just somebody doing it for me, because what do I gain in it? I don't get any understanding. I have head knowledge of a ceiling fan, but I don't have understanding. I don't have heart knowledge of it to really learn something. That's the point of going to school is, is learning. Well, yes, there's information given, but the point is, is you do the work so that you can learn how to play saxophone, how to be a mathematician, so you can learn how to do certain things. So what God will do is they will do what they can do for us, just like they, the Israelites you mentioned, they, they left Egypt. So what did y'all do? Faith of Moses brings them out of the wilderness, and because of faith and believing God, then God says, okay, well, you're at the sea. I'm going to do something that you can't do. You can't part these waters. You can't make a way for salvation. I'm going to make the way so that you can have salvation. So I'm going to part the Red Sea so that you can go through. But those that didn't have faith, what happened? He closed the sea up on the Egyptians and they drowned because they weren't in faith in God. So Yah will, when you do your part, then Yah will do their part. And it it proves to God that you have faith. And that's what's pleasing to, to Yah. And when we say Yah, Abba, Ima, and Yahusha, that you show them faith first, and then they will show faith back to you. It goes back to the beautiful scripture, draw near to God, and they will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and they will flee from you. Go towards the devil, and the devil will go towards you. It, it's the same concept that Yah will give you assistance, but you must do the work. It's just like Messiah, that they didn't do the work for him. They laid out the work from the beginning, and you do this work, and then we will step in and we will raise you from the dead and we will give you circumcision of the heart. And then you'll come into the kingdom. Even when Messiah comes back on the thousand year reign, uh, Abba and Emar are not doing the work for Messiah. He's the one that's ruling and reigning, but they do give him help. 
and what I'm seeing in this is that the, the programming is, and it's from where we came from, you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then it's done. And then God gives you salvation, and that's God does all the work. It's Messiah doing everything because the Word says that it's Christ in me, so that means Messiah is doing all the work. No. It means that you're in a position of being in Messiah, but it's your calling to walk as he did, that you're to follow in his footsteps, you're to put in the work, because you know this, if you don't put in the work at your job, are you going to get any kind of paycheck? Are you just going to be, they just give you the paycheck and there's no work? And we know the answer to that, that, but we in the world at times, we want the reward without putting in the work. The reward really the ultimate reward is knowing God. Yes, it is salvation being saved from from death and being in the kingdom, but the ultimate, as Yah told Abraham, that, that I am your shield, I'm your very great reward, that the reward, the eternal life is knowing God. And even Messiah said that, that this is eternal life to know the Father and to know Mother as well. So the faith journey is about Yah will give you what you need. It's just like Lowe's. It's just like Home Depot. They give you everything that you possibly can need to do home improvement. But now this is separate from you call Lowe's and you get a contractor through them or something like that. But unless you approach them, Lowe's is not going to approach you. We're not going to be sitting at home and thinking, you know, I like to put a deck on my house and I'm just going to wait for Lowe's to come to me and bring me the lumber and bring me the nails and the screws and all that. They'll just come right to me. Lowe's would say, what are you talking about? You've got to come to us so that we can give you what you need. Now we'll give you assistance and y'all will do that. We will give you what you need. You need assistance. You need help. We'll give you the help, but you're going to be the one that is actually going to put in the work. We'll give you any kind of tool that you need. You need a drill. You need a drill bit. It's right here for you. You need some help on how to use it. Sure. We'll, we'll give you that. But, and you've done this with me. Okay. There, there's the, here's the drill bit in the drill. Go ahead, drill the hole. Well, what do I do with this? Well, you do that, but go ahead. You do it. Here's the hammer. Here's the nail. You do it. And that's the beauty of Yah is that Yah will give the opportunity for us to do the work so that we can learn and be able to teach others because we're in no position to teach this to anybody unless we're going through it ourselves or we've done it ourselves because that's what gives us the authority to do it. So this isn't that God is just sitting there going, nope, we're not doing anything but they're not going to do everything for you. They cannot because that removes faith. And that's the main thing that was really resonating in my mind was, is that it's the faith piece that you need to do. It's a necessity for you to do your part because that shows your faith in God. And then Yah will reciprocate that back to you. Just like Noah, what happened with Noah? Noah, we want you to build the, the ark to these specifications. They didn't give a time frame. They didn't say in a hundred years or 200 years, you need to have it done. Noah, this is what, which we want you to do. And then he was diligent about it. And then when it came time for the rain to come, then it said that Yah shut the door to the ark. So Yah brought the animals to the ark. So Yah did their part. Yah shut the door. And then the rains came and all of that occurred. And then we have other stories as well, but Yah does their part. But what they're looking for in order for them to intervene on our behalf, we've got to show faith, trust to them first so that then they can show 
the trust back to us. So it's really a two-sided process that Yah will give us what we need, but we've got to do our part as well. We have to uh, just still come back to draw near to God and they'll draw near to you. And not only that, it's how you draw near to God is how they will draw near to you. If you get frustrated at them and say, why aren't you not helping me? Why are you? And they'll say, why are you not doing your part? Why are you not? So it goes both ways, but the, we are not teaching that you make a decision and God does all the work for you, that they will not do the work for you, nor can they do the work for you because if they did, then there is no faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So they're not going to intervene because they know that if we do the work for you, then you can't be pleasing to us. It's the same thing with Messiah. If he was fully God when he came here and not man as well, then there is no nothing God could do because he's already immortal. He can't die. So how can salvation come if he's going to already be in a place where he can't die? So I'm just seeing this as it's just a way of taking man's teaching and getting putting that to the side and teaching the way of God that, no, if you want anything from God, then you've got to do fulfill the stipulation, the, the blessings and curses. If you want the blessings, do what it takes to obtain the blessings, obey God, and therefore the blessings are there for you. So it's not that Yah has already laid out it, laid out the, the work from the beginning. They've done their work where if you obey me, these blessings are here for you. If you disobey me, these curses are here for you. So if you're on the disobedient side, you're under a curse until you obey. And then when you obey, you walk through the process, then now you get to come on the blessing side. So everything has already been set. And it's just like Yah has said in, in their word that we are the Lord God. We don't change. We're unchanging because what they've set in place, they're not going to change the nature of who they are, that it's already been set. The things that are set are not going to change. If you obey me, you'll get this. You disobey me, you'll get this. That's not going to change. Now you can change your position that you're walking away from me and you repent to me. Okay. Well now my attitude will change towards you, but that's already been set from the beginning that it looks like, well, I thought you said you don't change, but, but I am changing my mind towards you because you changed to come to the side where you get my favor. And it's the same way with, yeah, it's a, it's a, I was actually thinking about this this morning in regards to the gospel message that because I really enjoy eating as most people do, but the gospel message is, is in everything. Like just thinking about believing God, believing in God, repentance, obedience, and trust. You want something to eat from, and this came to mind, I don't know why I had McDonald's on the mind, but Somebody says, McDonald's has the Big Mac. Well, you have to believe that. And then, well, I'm going to go seek it out. And you get there. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go in and get that burger. You believe, And then you taste it. And, oh, my gosh, this is the best burger I've ever had. I'm never going to any other restaurant. This is where I'm going. You repent. And then you're inside the restaurant. And you decide you want to be a part of the organization. So you apply to it. And then you get a job. And then you walk in their ways. And then you're a part of the inside of the company to where you get all the perks and the benefits. And it's like everything, everything goes back to the gospel, the the teaching of God. So anything, as we said at the beginning, anything and everything we talk about will relate to something of the truth of God. But with what's going on with what we're teaching, well, that's Yah teaching through us is 
if you think it's supposed to be easy and God does everything for you, then it's you're going to have a struggle. And we've said this before that they're the easy button. I don't even know if they still have that with staples, but I remember that the easy button, you would just hit the button. Everything is easy. Everything is just hunky dory, simple. There is ease in faith as you move on in circumcision of heart because you have, you don't have the condemnation in your heart because of sin. You're not under condemnation anymore, but you still have consequences for things and the decisions you make have consequences. But yeah, Yah will not do everything for you, nor can they because of the way they've set up faith that you have faith in them then they'll have faith in you that you trust them. They trust you. It, it goes the same way. But what do we learn? If Yah does everything, we don't learn anything. We, we have no way to understand who God is. If they do everything for us, we have no way to learn what obedience is like the suffering was. Yeah. You can have head knowledge of, yeah, obey God. That's right. That's what I should do. But do you really understand what it is to obey until you have these struggles to where it's your very life at stake and how bad or how serious are you committed to obeying God? It will show in what you're willing to go through that no matter what you're willing to go, you're willing to go through anything to obey God. It doesn't matter. Okay. We're going to test that. And, and it's going to take struggle to prove that you really mean that you're going to be obedient to us, that you're going to repent to us. You're going to be tested. And your sin's going to get harder. We're, we're going to bring things up so that you can see, do you really mean that you're turning from sin completely with all of your mind. And yeah, I mean it. I really, I was listening to a little bit of, I actually found the hell's best kept secret. I was listening to a little bit of that. And you know, the, the Ray comfort was on there and he said, do you really mean it? Do you really mean it? And well, we're, we're going to prove, do you really mean that you've repented to me? Well, it'll show in what your actions are, not in what you say. So just as you turned over to me, my thoughts on it is, yeah, it's, in the ways of God and the functionality that Yah will not do it because the way it's set up is for you to, for you to do it. And your proof of your faith is in what you do, not in what you say. Yeah. I had that thought that the works are a demonstration of your faith. You, you have the faith, but then you demonstrate it. Well, it was like you had mentioned with Abraham and Isaac. And it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, but, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by what I do, that the faith is proved genuine by your works. Like when he laid him on the altar, it says that, do you see when he laid him on the altar that by works, faith was made perfect. And we just talked about perfecting that. What was God waiting for? When did, when did God intervene with Abraham? Hey, don't, don't put him on the altar. No. All right. He lays him on the altar. He's bound in him. And then Isaac will, you know, father, where's the, the, the sacrifice going to come from? And then he puts him on the altar and Abraham's not standing there going, okay, God, go ahead and stop me. No, we know he didn't. We know he had faith and that he was unwavering in his faith because it said that he reasoned in his mind that Yah could raise him from the dead. He didn't say that God would. And that tells me that his mindset was son, get on the altar. All right, father. And we have no, and he didn't, but there was no argument from Isaac. It was just, all right, lay on the altar. And he's bound in him and he takes the knife and he's lifting his hand or whatever. And what happens is because of faith, 
because I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, because I know that even if I kill my son, that you have the power to bring him from the dead. There's a greater reason for this. So I'm going to do this. So it shows his faith in God. And then what happens because of his faith, God says, okay, that's what I was looking for was. And even the angel said when spoke from heaven that said, we now know that you have faith in God because you were willing to kill your own son. So it wasn't that, all right, God, I'll do it. You watch me. You see, I'm laying him on the altar. You watching me, God, you see me? No, God's just waiting to where, all right, we're going to see you willing to do this. And by the actions, oh, okay. All right. Stop. That I, I know, I know now for sure that you, not that they didn't know that he didn't have faith, but this proves that you're willing to do whatever it takes. And also we have, this has given us a prophecy about Messiah being put on the altar. It, that's that's the ultimately the, the main lesson that, but yeah, it was when he stepped out in faith that God said, okay, that you've proven that. And it's the same thing with us, that the favor of God is you'll get favor from God, but you've got to put yourself in a position to do what Yah says through walking through the word that Yah will say, okay, now I'll intervene and I'll give you some assistance. And even Messiah himself, he got assistance carrying the weight of the cross and got to the point where he wasn't able to carry it. And then, okay, well, when you get to that point, I'll intervene and, and I'll help you to carry it. But you still have to carry your cross because Yah will not carry our cross for us. We must carry it. But when we need that assistance, Yah will give us that assistance, but you've still got to carry your burdens as well. So just wanted to add that in because the the genuineness of somebody's faith is shown in what they do, not in what they say out of their mouth. And we can tell by Abraham's life that he was obedient to God. Well, because of that, he showed Isaac by example what it means to be obedient. Now, there was probably some discipline involved in that to bring about the aspect of uh, obedience, but Isaac was programmed for a good right uh, perspective to where he wouldn't have argued with his dad. He, he said, do it. That's what I'm going to do. And so he did it because he was taught how to obey by Abraham. Every time that God told him to do something, Abraham did it, whether he understood it or not. And the story with Abraham and Isaac is ultimately Abba and Messiah, where uh, God did put Messiah to the sword physically, but then he was resurrected to new life uh, because God has the power of resurrection, and that's why Messiah didn't remain in the grave. And so that that's important as well. And it's interesting because you made the comment about the, the Big Mac from McDonald's and uh, and it's not a, advocating that anybody goes out and gets McDonald's. Just saying. Yeah. Well, you can also, and that's a, it was a good way to correlate, you know, that the way you walk through a gospel message, whether you walk through it for things of the world or you walk through it for God, I, uh, it's a, it's a good correlation, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use fast food and present it from the opposite perspective from, from, use the fast food restaurants as a representation of the enemy, okay? 
where you're told that the food is good. You're convinced that the food is good. You believe that the food is good. If you didn't, why would you eat there at all? So you're convinced that it's good. But look at the uh, deceit and the, um, the fakeness within the fast food industry. And I want you to tell me the truth on this, Sean. Now, any burger you've ever gotten from a fast food place, did it ever look like the picture on the commercial that they portrayed? The one that came to mind was the Big Mac that has all the sesame seeds perfectly on the bun and the cheese just kind of right on the side. And it, that's the, the answer is no. But just it, it looks if it was like that. Oh, yeah, everybody would be in there all day long. But no, it, it's no, not not in any way. Right. So all your all the advertising, you know, they they everything's set right. Well, you don't know that in the advertising you they're using cardboard that looks like cheese and uh, lettuce that's plastic and stuff that that makes it look and have the appearance that. Oh, man, that's that's good. I, I, I but in all reality and honesty, what tastes better? a meal from a fast food restaurant or a home cooked meal. And when I say home cooked, I mean a meal prepared from scratch, not you open up the box of hamburger helper and add hamburger to it. And no, I'm talking about you, you cook the green beans, you, you uh, bake the potatoes, you grill the, your own meat on the grill. And so which one tastes better? Well, we know that the, the home cooked meal tastes better unless your whole life you've spent, uh, getting yourself accustomed to the fast food, then you don't know what home cooked food tastes like. So that when you finally have it, you may like it, but then again, you may not because you've acquired a taste for the quick food, the, the food that comes out of a box. And it's tough nowadays to actually get all the ingredients. You can still do it, but we run such a hectic life in this world that a lot of times we don't have the time. Or No, we have the time. We don't take the time because of other things we give the time to, to prepare those meals. Uh, and I like it when, you know, we can get the fresh corn from around here and fresh tomatoes and those things, as opposed to canned tomatoes and canned corn and frozen corn. It, it's got a completely different taste to it. And so just correlating it to from a faith perspective that the the fast food would be the enemy. They, they paint the picture of this, uh, except Jesus as Lord and savior. And it looks good on the outside. And, but in the end, it's going to be the, the worst thing you could have for your body. They eat, eat the good, solid, uh, fresh food that God's serving and it will taste better once you acquire a taste for it. And it will be more nourishing for you. It will be just overall, it'll be better for you. It's just a aspect of looking at that from that perspective. 
And I'll, I'll put a plug out to Josh who's in our gathering who's been on the podcast that he had given me. I don't know what he does with the mixture, but he had given me a, he had made some burgers. I think it was last week and he gave me one and he could have given me all of them. Cause I, I, I even told him, I was like, that's one of the best burgers I've ever had. But I know by watching him prepare it, he does all these seasonings. And I remember watching him do it that all the time it takes to do it. And it is, it's like all the time you put in to make that finished product is just so much better. Even that biscuit recipe that I gave you that, yeah, it's, and it is a way to do it quick because yes, you could do it slower, but you tell me that biscuit taste versus you get a bag of frozen grains biscuits from the store that it is a different taste because <clears throat> you don't have all the preservatives. And <clears throat> wanted to interject on this, that it's the aspect of a slow fade. And we mentioned this before that this is just, this wasn't a, this hasn't been a quick thing. This has been over time, just very slowly that it's just brought in slowly. And then it just keeps on and keeps on. It's just like with inflation that we're going through in, in America now that you go through that and everybody's all upset, but then now, well, it's getting better. I mean, gas was 379, but it's 363. So that's better. Everything's getting better. And yeah, yeah, it is getting better. And and it's just, we just have you programmed to where we'll raise a little bit and then we'll lower it to get you not arguing against it. And then we'll kind of just slowly, we'll make the package size just a little bit, a little bit uh, smaller. Cause I haven't, we were talking about YooHoo in the gathering and I went out and got two bottles of it. And I noticed, well, these bottles are smaller. They were 16 ounce. Now they're 12 ounce and it's the same price. Well, this bottle just looks smaller and it's just like a, it's a deceiving slow thing over time that, Hey, it's quick and it's cheap. And look, a burger is 99 cents and it's, it's quick and easy. And you, the, the, the point of it is, is to get you programmed to that. And then it just slowly gets you away from cooking and, and you get busy and then that gets you away from it. And then just slowly, very slowly over time, because if everything was just thrown in your face, that's when people get all upset. But the enemy schemes is, well, we're going to, just make little changes and just slowly over time and just slowly get you away. And the more you get into that programming, the harder, unless you change your mind that it's harder for people to get back to it. It's just like, if you're presenting the gospel to somebody, it's not that people cannot change their mind and repent to God and find it. It's just that the longer you go and the, the years go by, it's harder to do it because of all the programming. It's not that it's literally harder. It's the programming of people. Just like if you were to take um, somebody's parents that like they're in the seventies, eighties, and you give this to them, it's not that they can't get it, but it's just that you've got 70 to 80 years of dysfunctional programming that the person really will have to put in the work to, to change. So it's not impossible. So, and we've said this in the gathering that the sooner that you can teach somebody this message, even with a little child, the better off they will be because they don't have all the junk that will make it harder and harder to come to faith. And even in the world that we're in now with everything going on, like it is, it's just, you can see how many people have the grit, the determination to find the faith of God. And only Yah knows that because they look, but just look at the world and the farther it goes and the worse things get, it's just going to be harder and harder for people to come to make that steadfast decision. And then that's when the end will come when Abba looks out and sees that there's no heart that's has that full commitment to us anymore. And then Messiah will return. So I just want to add that as well, that this is, 
<clears throat> seek God with all your heart and make that decision without delay because we don't know how much time we have. Plus the fact that things are getting worse and worse and it's just going to be that much harder to change with the help of God to, to redo the programming. Well, and I had a experience when I was, I, I went to Toronto oh, sometime back in the nineties for a hotel convention. And, um, I was the one person that had to stay up there for the whole week. Well, I enjoyed doing it, but I had to stay up there for the whole week to um, make sure that if something broke, we we made a hotel room in a warehouse and made it so you could take it apart. Took it up, uh, we made it and took it apart, loaded it on a tractor trailer, sent it up to Toronto, and then we then uh, there was three of us that went up and we put it all back together. And then I stayed just in case something happened and needed to be fixed. And I had to eat out at restaurants and it was really uh, more, it wasn't fast food. It was, you know, uh, like restaurants. um, uh, One of them, which Gretzky's kind of like a uh, steakhouse type thing. Uh, but anyway, I ate there for about a week, and then at the end of the week, I had a, a aunt and uncle that lived above Toronto, and so on that Friday, I took the rental car, and I went up to their house and had dinner, and the difference in the taste in the food from what I was eating in the restaurants, that home-cooked meal, it was like not even comparable. Uh, it tasted that good. You look at, you know, fast food is so prevalent now. You know, when I was a kid, maybe once every three months, if that, you got to to go for one meal, like a like a lunch at a McDonald's or something like that, to where in this day and age, you know, People go to McDonald's or uh, Burger King or any of the fast food restaurants at least once a day, more or less uh, once every three months. And it's because it's been that slow fade in. And that's how things change in your life, that you decide you like something and then you start changing your life to fit that like. And it's the same thing with God. There's no quick uh, switch to your life, meaning that there is in your mind, it, it's you, you make a decision in a moment, but it has to be fully committed. And when it is, then you start going through the process of fading the opposite direction. Instead of fading towards the enemy, you're fading towards God. And the, the more time goes on, the closer you get to God, because that fade just continues to move in that direction. So being a slow fade, it does work both directions, but a lot of times when you're not in faith, you don't recognize the slow fade that's happening. And when you just accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've been convinced that it's done, it's over, that that's the linear perspective. And what we're talking about is we're talking about the circular perspective that you continue, you have work you need to do 
to walk into the grace of God and uh, to enter into that place. And then you have to continue to work as you're in that place. And so it's like you work to get an interview at a company. And then once you get hired onto the company, then you do work while you're in the company. And everybody knows that that's the expectation. And so why would I think that God's going to be any different? We have things like change my heart, oh God, make it just like you. God will not change your heart. You have to change your heart. Now they will give you the tools you need to change your heart. One of those tools is circumcision of the heart. Well, you have to have the sinful nature removed. (coughs) You have to have the sinful nature removed in order that you can do anything in the heart. I need to get you some water. No, I agree with you. The um, Phil's going to get some water here and we'll... But yeah, Yah will do the work. Yah will do their part of what you can't do. The circumcision of the heart done by mother is in the spiritual aspect. But in order to get the circumcision of the heart by Yah, you've got to first circumcise your heart because we have this in the Old Testament. That's a Yah Abba says to circumcise your hearts and be stiff necked no longer. So set it in your mind that you're going to get away from sin and that you're going to walk in their ways. And when you're proved in it, then they'll say, okay, well, I'm going to do the part that you're not able to do, which you cannot get into your lower conscience and remove the sin nature. So we're going to do that. But if you don't do your part first, then it does not put us in a position to be able to do the surgery. It's just like if somebody has cancer, has a tumor and they say, and they have no idea they have cancer and they have no idea that they're sick, well, they're not going to go to the surgeon and just lay there on the table and be ready for surgery. No, it's got to be to the point of, I know I've got cancer. I know I'm sick, that I'm in this body of death and I've turned to God and yeah, I've done everything in my mind to get rid of this cancer, but I'm in your hands now because I cannot do this. And then you allow yeah, the surgeon to, you have to be willing to be on that table and get the anesthesia and then they'll, they'll do the surgery. But if you don't recognize that you need, like, we're not just going to walk out and go to the hospital and get surgery unless, well, what am I getting the surgery for? I'm not sick. I don't need it. So it's what I'm seeing more in this is that it's not that Yah doesn't do anything because they've by their grace that they made a way that we can have salvation. But what's happening is that because of laziness and programming, that we just think that, well, somebody else will do it for us. And if we think somebody else will do it for us, then that'll transfer to Yah doing everything for us because that's what we're programmed. Well, isn't God, God is love. And if God's great, then why can't God just fix this? They have all the power. Yeah, they have all the ability to do things, but they will not do it. And the reason is, is because they, their very being is love and love is doing the best for everybody involved. And the best thing for us is not for God to do everything for us. The best thing for us is to have faith in God, which means you're going to do the work because by you learning this, by you doing these things, it's better for you 
to learn how to do it. It's better to learn how to cook your own meals because it's healthier. It gives you exercise. It exercises your mind. So it's better. And that's just putting it to that example. It's better to do that because then you have more information, understanding, and then therefore it's better for you because you don't have to spend a lot of your money that you made at your job on food. You can put that money and use it for other things instead of going out and eating this quick food and it's better for your body. And it just made me think of how Yah and their love is they do what is best for everybody, including themselves. So it's even good for Yah not for them to do everything for us because if they do, then you'll just come to us for us to do everything and then you don't learn what we want you to learn. And then therefore, how are you going to present that to other people and give them a good example if we're doing everything and it doesn't benefit you to, for us to do everything for you because then you don't learn how to function. And if they do everything for us, how are we going to be self-controlled because they're doing everything then? Well, and again, it brings in excuses. If they're doing everything, we'll see God, you did it. It's not me. And y'all would say, okay, well, I'll accept that excuse because I did do it and it isn't on you. So I'll, I will accept that. And that's why there's no excuse because free will choice means no, you cannot blame us for this because you chose to do it. And what you sow is what you reap. And you think of a seed, you, let's just say you have a, as the word says, a mustard seed, faith, like a mustard seed. But if that mustard seed isn't planted in the ground, the mustard seed will not grow into a tree. The birds will not be able to branch and get shade from it. And the same thing with faith. If Messiah didn't come like that mustard seed and that mustard seed wasn't planted in the ground, then it couldn't grow up into the tree of faith. And we would have no hope because Messiah didn't do his part first. So Yah knew that if Messiah doesn't do this, then there is no opportunity for us to do it. But then if we don't do it, then we're not going to gain the salvation that he gained. So even Messiah himself had to go through what he went through in order to for himself to come back to God because he was in a body of flesh. So this is a two-sided thing. So in the way, if you don't find faith in God, then you'll have the consequence of hell. But you do find God, you have the consequence of heaven. So I just see this as it's just a good learning on quit blaming God and other people for where you are, because where you are is exactly what your decisions, your choices have made and brought you to. And just another way to get away from excuses, get away from blaming God for anything, because Yah, as as you said, that Yah will provide for all of our needs according to the glorious riches. But a lot of times what we think our needs are, are really our wants, not our needs. We have a, a place to do this podcast. We have a place to go to work. We have a place to sleep. We have everything that we need and we even have excess in, in regards to that. So this is just for those listening out there that you, you look at your life and you look at the things in the world and how many things are you dependent upon other people doing it for you and how much better could it be if you would do it yourself and actually learn from that and then be able to teach that to other people so that we're not just relying on to do things that we could do ourselves. Yeah, I actually was just thinking about uh, 
part of my faith journey and the time when I was at the point of repentance, I had, uh, I turned my life over to God, but I was still, I hadn't had circumcision of the heart, so I still had that sin. And I remember crying to God that they would take my life, that they would run my life, that they would do it for me because I knew I wasn't capable. And the response I got back was, you have to do this yourself. You You have to do your part, and then God will do their part. And so what I had to do in that time, and I didn't just go to them one time crying out to them about it. I mean, it was multiple times. Where I was like, I, I despise this. I don't want, well, I had to do that in order to prove to God that I was fully committed to not sinning. Even though I wasn't capable of not sinning, I was fully committed to it because I knew that that's what they said. I knew that the word said in him, there is no sin, that I, God, I, my conclusion was, I'll fight this till the day I die. I will never agree with it. I'll never. And then I, after that, then I was brought to the point of circumcision of the heart. And here's, like you said earlier, you do your part, God will do theirs. They, they will do some for you, but you have to do your part. The scripture that we brought out multiple times and I brought it out the last in the last podcast and do it in this one gives you an example of that you have to do your work first before God will do their work and it goes back to the draw near to God and then they will draw near to you the eyes of the Lord range back and forth throughout the whole earth searching to strengthen the heart that is fully committed to them so your part has to be full commitment to God, and then they will strengthen you. If you're not fully committed to God, you get no strength from God. That's a fact of it. And so it does go back to how you approach God. They will approach you, and they will do some things uh, that will uh, help you in the process, but sometimes those things are in the midst of your uh, repentance is them allowing the enemy to come after you like they did Job to see, are you going to curse God and change your change and say, well, I give up. I just, I can't do this. So I'm just going to quit or show the full commitment. Then you show the full commitment and God says, okay, now I'm going to give you strength. And so there are many times in the Bible where that is uh, taking place and any promise of God is laid out from the same perspective that you do this, then I will do this. And until you do this, you don't get what I'm giving. And if you don't have what I'm giving, then you haven't fulfilled the stipulations and the fast food in the, uh, in faith is the, uh, any perspective of faith that does not have you working out your salvation with fear and trembling for you to work it out so that God can then continue to give you what you need in order for you to continue to work it out. 
part of uh, another good example is how God won't do it for you, but they'll do something for you. When we're digging into our subconscious and God, I just, I'm not seeing where this issue is. I just, I, I, I just can't see it. So God says, okay. And they open up your mind and it takes you back to a place and a time and something that happened to you and a decision that was made. And then they say, okay, now fix it. So they will do some stuff for you, but they're not doing the work for you. They'll help you to see things if you can't see it, but you have to be diligent in searching it out, looking for it, trying to figure out what exactly it is that uh, you need to have or you need to do. Uh, God will give you the ability necessary for you to walk in their ways, but you have to walk in their ways. You have to walk like Messiah did. When you walk like Messiah did, then you get what Messiah got. And he got to hear his father from heaven. Oh, we get the same perspective. He got guidance along the way. But he still had to do the work. We look at Proverbs, which was a book that was laid out for him that it was speaking to their son as well as it speaks to us and go through the book of Proverbs and where in Proverbs does it say that the the father or the mother is going to do the work for you? No, listen to my and do what I tell you to do. You must work out whatever it is because it's not benefit for God or you for you to be forced. And people in this life don't want to be forced to do something they don't want to do. And if it's something they want to do, they submit to it so they can't be forced anyway. And it's just the, the reality that we do not have faith in Messiah of God is not a place where you just make this decision and then God will do all the work for you. See, what you don't understand you're doing from your programming is you're setting up an excuse because if I can, if I can claim that God's doing all the work, then I don't have to accept the responsibility when I don't do what I'm, what I know I'm supposed to do. And for anybody who's out there that's seeking with all of their heart, that if you know what is right to do and you are not doing it, the Bible says for you, it is sin. So you have to figure it out. God's not going to change it for you. You have to change it and you have to change your heart. And so the tools God gives you to change your heart is the scriptures that say, do this, don't do that. Okay, well, I have to program myself in order to line it up with the scriptures. God does not program it in me. God gave me an example in Messiah that I could follow in his footsteps, that if I do what he did, he teaches me how to program myself in order to, no, I don't agree with this. I'm never going to accept this. 
and you keep saying that, and then you don't agree with it, and you don't accept it. That's a fact of it. And we, God wants us to be in control of our own programming. And again, going back to something you said just a little bit earlier, is how can we be self-controlled, and why would God even tell you to be self-controlled if it wasn't your responsibility to control yourself, that you want to put the blame on God and you want God to do all the work for you because we live in a day and age where uh, as technology increases and grows, then our labor gets less and less. And we do the same thing with faith, that as time goes on, we decrease the amount of stuff that we want to have to do because we want somebody else to do it for us. And we've been trained that way by companies who wanted to bolster their profits by cutting the labor force. And in order to do that, they had to come up with an automated way to uh, to make whatever it is that they're making. You know, automobiles <laughs> were not made by robots when they first started making automobiles. But now, look at all the jobs that were taken away from from mankind that could have been there for people to work or you go in a factory where you just sit there and you watch a machine instead of actually having to make the parts yourself to, to do it without a machine and technology makes us lazy. People think we're getting smarter as time goes on. And they put this whole thing of, uh, you know, cavemen is where we started. And so we're, we're increasing in our intelligence as we go on. And they, what the reality is that people don't see because of programming, you're actually be, being programmed to the opposite. We're getting, we're getting, uh, dumber to use a a term for it we're getting dumber as time goes on rather than more intelligent we think we're getting more intelligent because we can create all these things but to this day has anybody created a pyramid like the pyramids that they like they did in the past and you think we're smarter today and we can't even duplicate what they did. So is a big deception that the enemy has because the less work that you have to do, that's where the enemy wants you in God is to think that, well, just accept God and then there's nothing you have to do. It's over. It's a once saved, always saved perspective. You have it. It's done. There's nothing you have to do. Oh, I should, I should live right. I should do these things, but oh God, God changed my heart so I can live these things. And we are getting weaker and dumber as time goes on because think about how many phone numbers can you memorize in your mind now? How many phone numbers do you memorize now? Maybe, maybe a handful if that many, where I never had an address book when I was younger before cell phones came out. 
I could remember every single number I needed, whether it was a business uh, that I've dealt with in the past, whether it was a friend, all the people that I needed to have a number for, I had it in my mind and I was able to recall it. But since cell phones came along, it's dumbed me down because I don't, I, I don't put that into my memory and then use the recall that I have. And then people wonder why dementia and Alzheimer's are so rampant in this life. And we can't do the labor in this, uh, in this condition of our body. If we were thrown back into the, uh, the time of the Israelites going through the desert, you, you live in the comfort of a house that is stationary in one place. You don't have to pack it up and move it when God says, okay, it's time to move. And everybody packs everything up the tabernacle, all your tents, all your belongings, your cattle, everything, and we move and we move, and then the cloud comes to a a halt. Okay, now we set it all back up again. Imagine if you had to were thrown from where you are today into that environment. You could you'd you'd be sitting there trying to ride on a camel or ride ride on something because Oh my gosh, I work, I did all this stuff and I get, and I'm, man, I'm so tired. You think you know what tired is, but that's what happens is we, we don't, we are not as active as we used to be. And therefore we get tired easier because activity, uh, the more activity you do, the more energy you have. And if you're walking around during the day tired, then maybe you should uh, figure out what activity you need to do. But anyway, the perspective of this is that with faith, it's work and it's not easy work. It's hard work and it's, it's labor intensive because the amount of work it takes today to have faith in God is not easier. It has been made easier by the enemy, by different religions. But the reality is it is just as hard for you to have faith today as it was with Noah, as it was with Abraham. It's just as difficult. And to have faith, if you're seeking God with all of your heart, you need to know that it's going to be difficult and you're going to have to have grit and determination where you have to have the mindset of full commitment and full commitment is not partial commitment. It's not, well, uh, well I'm committed uh, 95%. Well, I'm committed, I'm committed to God 99.9%. You can be committed to God 99.9999999%. But you will not get the strength of God until you add that last little piece that makes it 100% commitment and you must have 100% commitment in order to be able to do the work necessary for faith. And we live in a day and age where people don't want to do the work necessary. They want, they want to go to work, sit and play on their phone and get a paycheck and think that that's okay. And, and the 
owner of the company should be happy that they have the opportunity to pay you to come in and play on your phone. And it's like, no, no. And God is unchanging. So that means what their concept was when they created Adam and Eve and Noah and the flood and all the way down the line, they're not changing. They're not changing the concept because you're, you live in a society that's weaker. That's why the uh, strong-minded are the ones that are going to end up having faith in God, not the weak-minded, because weak-minded people will be like, well, I don't want to have to do all this work, and if there's an easier way, you know, we'll get the easy button and just push the button, and boom, there it is. It just shows up, and there's nothing else you have to do. Well, you've been programmed for that by the enemy in this life, but the enemy didn't do it. See, that's the beauty part about this is that just as God has chosen from the creation not to force you to do anything, God took that or didn't give the power to the enemy that the enemy could force you to do something. So neither God forces you to do anything nor the enemy forces you to do anything. And this is why the Bible says that man is without excuse. If the enemy had the ability to force you, the devil made me do it, okay? If the enemy had the ability to do that, that God gave them the ability to do that, then you would have argument before God. You would have an excuse before God. And so you can't blame anybody. You can't even, I don't even have the power to force you to do anything. If you, if I put pressure on you and put pressure on you and put pressure on you, and then you finally cave, I didn't force you to do it. You caved, you chose to give in. And with faith in God, once you make that commitment to God, it's going to take grit and determination that you don't give in and you know that it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fight it's it's war so that you can have peace and you you're not going to make it on a mindset of well god's going to do it for me god will god will help me god will do this and god will do that and it's like no you have to do the work you must do the work and you must have the aspect and mindset of full commitment to what you're doing in order for you to be able to have the faith of God, because God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And if God changes something, it's because they had already said it from the beginning that if you repent, then we change our attitude towards you. But that was set from the beginning. That wasn't, you know, they didn't, get halfway through the creation and then say, all right, we're going to put this in that if you repent, then no, it was set from the beginning. So anything that was set from the beginnings still remains today. And this is why we don't remove the old covenant because that shows you the labor and the intense, the intensity of the commitment that you need to have in order to have this faith in God. But if you're fully committed to God, then they will give you the strength necessary to carry out the grit and determination and the full commitment that you have to them. I mean, with the Old Testament, 
look at everything they went through physically, like you said, the tabernacle and moving all that stuff, crossing the Jordan, carrying the Ark of the Covenant and all those things. And doesn't it make sense that God would say in the physical that take a day of rest to rest your body, rest your animals because of all that physical labor. And then think how much more now we have less, for example, physical labor, but how much more spiritual, emotional weight is put on us. Well, I wouldn't even say put on us that we bring on ourselves because of not doing work and things like that, that how many people take a full day just to rest their mind of things that are going on, not just their body, but their mind there and just take some time like that because God put that in place for man. And then ultimately we know from being in Messiah, you rest from having that condemnation because of sin. That's the ultimate rest. But all the, I was just thinking about that. I didn't correlate that, that if you're tired, that that's a sign that you could be doing labor, doing more things to create that energy. But when you're programmed just to sit in a building for an hour, once a week or twice a week, and well, there's nothing I have to do. Just sit here and listen. Well, and you're, you're not told, no, you need to work this out and do these things. And you'll just be programmed just to sit there and think that, you know, everything is okay because I did this or, or I did that. Because <clears throat> I remember we talked about technology that we think technology makes us better. And it doesn't because you think about the, the DoorDash and we're just talking about food, the DoorDash and Grubhub and those things that you're paying more money for somebody to bring you the food when, why don't you just go get it? And then you could use that money for something else. Well, no, nah, I just, I don't feel like I just want them to bring it to me. And then you do that. And then you get frustrated because your order is messed up or they didn't give you everything you need or somebody ate your food, which I've seen some news stories. People will steal food like that. And do you want somebody else bringing the food in their car to you? Because you don't know what they've done with it, but I'm willing to take that chance because I don't want to get up and, and do that. And when I say these things, I, I used to go like that. I use my phone to order food. So I'm doing this exact same thing. So I'm not saying that just stop doing it, but it just shows that if you want the, you're going to have to, wh- whatever you want, you've got to pay the price to get. Somebody's got to pay the price for you to get something. There's got to be a sacrifice involved in it. The The tipping thing is a big issue now that you go to pick up food and do you want to leave a tip? And, and I know we talked about this, uh, unless I'm getting actual service from you, why am I leaving a tip? Well, because it's easier if you just give me a tip and then I can just do less work. And I remember I could just see my dad right now that somebody asked him for a tip and it's not at a restaurant. Just you don't even ask me. There ain't no way in the world I'm giving a tip. Or if you didn't give me good service, I'm not giving you anything. And again, that's a programming thing. But it's just, uh, just for me, I'm like, why am I giving you a tip when you've done, I'm just going through well, if you think about what we're talking about McDonald's, you go through the drive through line, you pull your car in front of a restaurant and they bring it to you. What's the difference in, well, I had to prepare the food. Well, you did that anyway. So why am I giving you extra money to do that? And people will get irate and upset about, I mean, a lot of things, not just that, but it's just this whole society. And the thing is, is that with the truth of God, this isn't about changing society because society is going to keep doing what it does. This is about you getting away from the world and embracing God and walking in faith so that you can escape as where it says you can escape the world and its corruption, because that that's the point of it is 
the world is going to keep doing what it's doing. Us telling anybody in the world this message, if they don't want to hear it, they're not going to change anything. This is about those that really want to make a change and really want to see God with all their heart, that you can escape the corruption of the world. And because God will deal with this world in judgment, that's in God's hands. What's in our hands is seeking God with all of our heart and finding the the true faith. But it is just amazing, even with what is perceived as faith, that the, the way you go to church in the world now is different than it used to be. Now you can sit at home and watch a service on your computer or on your phone because of the COVID, all that stuff, instead of going there and having those in-person relationships. So no, I just, I'll just stay home because I'm tired. I'll just watch it on TV and that's good enough. And that's, yeah, but you miss out on the fellowship and the conversations and, and faith wasn't intended to, to be that way. And just, it just keeps a slow fade, just moment by moment, week after week, just getting people lazier. And even having this recently with COVID with kids are at home at school and you get into that, well, now do we have to go back to school because I like being at home and, and, and I work from home and it's had the opportunity to do that with the, with the industry that I'm in with insurance, that a lot of it is going to at home work because not only does it save money, but people just, I don't want to make the effort to go into an office and stuff like that. It's so much quote easier to be at home. But there's challenges working from home. Just because you're at home doesn't mean it's necessarily easier that you've got animals that I have at home to to deal with and noises and people driving up and down the street. So it's not a, a cakewalk just because you're not in a you know an office environment. But yeah, this is um, those of you that are listening or listen later, go out into the world and have this in your mind and just see how much things are going on in the world where people want you to do things for them instead of them putting in the work and not only them but yourself as well and we just want people to know that you set your mind to seek with all of your heart that it wouldn't be fair for us to try to make it as though it's going to be an easy task that it's going to be something simple no if we're going to do it justice we're going to let you know that it's going to be struggle at times you're going to uh You're going to feel bad. You're going to uh, be really down about the fact that you can't get away from sin. Well, but that's a good thing because it shows that your, your heart is still in the right place. And we have a lot of the DoorDash and Grubhub in religion today where we just sit at home. And how many times? Did we sit at home during the whole COVID pandemic, during our church gathering stuff? We didn't sit at home at all. We continued to gather because it was more important to us to do what God wanted than to adhere to what the authorities were saying. Well, you you can't get together and you can't do this and you can't do that. No, you don't tell me what I can and can't do. You can punish me if I don't do what you want me to do. But I do, I, it's my choice to decide. And we, we didn't force anybody to come. We didn't say, if you don't come, you're done. You're out. No, but those that came, came. And we've had somebody who's been uh, calling in for a while, but pretty soon that's going to come to an end because that's not, you can't get a good 
relationship and a good uh, perspective of Yah by just calling in or just watching on a computer to a gathering. It's meant to be a personal relationship, and you can't be personal over the phone because people, you can't see somebody's body language, which tells more of a story than what's coming out of their mouth, even though there are times when you can tell by what's coming out of their mouth, but their body language speaks. But you can't see that if you're not in person. And so it is, we we don't want to modify what the objective church of God was. Those who are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Not, not those who are all in different places and they're making a Zoom call to to do it. But that's not the, the objective goal. The objective is we do it like Messiah did, that we have close personal relationships with people and we disciple them. We were discipled by Messiah. Messiah taught us how to disciple others. We have the ability to disciple others if they want the help, if they ask for it. They'll be able to have it. And when we look at the aspect of what God will do for you, God will do nothing for you if you're not going to do for yourself. And even though it's not a biblical concept, it is a true concept of God helps those who help themselves. That is a true statement because you help yourself by being fully committed to God and then God will help you. If you're not fully committed to God, then God's not going to help you. I don't care how many times somebody told you God would or what you think that they, they grub hub. The, all those ones bringing you this faith with all this twisted method message is the enemy uh, just taking some of your food while they're, we'll, we'll, we'll leave you enough food in there that maybe you won't notice the difference, but if you know what an order you get from somewhere is supposed to look like and it gets to your house and it's, it doesn't look like that, hey, hey, where's the rest of my food? Because this is not what it's supposed to look like when you when you do this. And unfortunately, there's too many of those offerings just to make people feel good that, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. I just, I'm blessed now and Oh, everything's good. God's going to do it for me and God's going to take care of it. And you're sitting there accepting a partial meal that somebody's bringing to you instead of somebody bringing you the truth, because the truth is not going to taste good at first. You, you have to acquire a taste for it. But anybody who sets their mind that they're going to seek God with all of their heart and they do it with the full commitment that we talked about 100%. They will find God. They will find the journey. They will walk through it, and they will have circumcision of the heart, and they will know what it's like to walk in this life without sin. And if you haven't done that, then you can't understand what it's about. And I get it that that a lot of times people don't understand, well, what do you mean you don't sin? Well, it's an impossibility for them to understand. I can explain it to them. But it's an impossibility for them to understand until they have circumcision of the heart and experience it for themselves. And you experience the fact that you have no condemnation and 
<clears throat> that you don't have a guilty conscience, but you have to experience it. But just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that I haven't experienced it. And you can't tell me that it's impossible because, yes, with man, this is impossible. But the Word of God says, with God, all things are possible. Even the fact that you can live in this life without sin, it's possible. But in order for it to be possible, you have to have grit, determination, absolute full commitment, and then you have to work it out. And it's a continual working out. We have circumcision of the heart. We still work things out. We still have things that we don't see in our lower conscience. And then we have a gathering time and somebody starts talking about something. And then we're like, oh, wow, I didn't see that. Okay. And then we start working on the fix to that. And then something else comes along. And sometimes you'll have 10 things that come along. You have to know that <clears throat> you've got 10 things coming along, but you're not under any kind of uh, guide that you have to get this done by this point in time. No, you, you, you continually work on each one as uh, necessary and you increase as time goes on <clears throat> in the process of doing it. But it's really important that people weigh the cost of this faith before they enter into it. And we will be, we will have a better opportunity to reach somebody who hasn't had faith at all compared to somebody who's been programmed into a faith perspective that is locked in their mind that they're convinced through cognitive dissonance that what they have is true, but yet what they have doesn't line up with the Bible and because it's cognitive dissonance, we don't pay attention to the time when the Bible says something contrary to what you believe. We just write it off or set it aside. And if you have an open mind, when something comes up that's contrary to what you believe, you will evaluate it because you want to make sure you're following the truth of God anyway, not the truth of man. And we've said this before as well, that even with what we're telling you, on this podcast, we don't want you to just sit there and say, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. I accept that. No, we we want to speak the reality of truth of God and let you know that it's in the word. And then we want you to do your seeking, your seeking and your searching with all of your heart to find these things in the word. And when you do, then you will uh, realize and see that it is true and you'll be able to grow in a right way, in the right perspective for God. And so God is not going to do the work for you. They will work side by side with you. Just like you go to work, you have a manager. The manager will work with you, but the manager is not going to do your job. If they're doing your job, there's no need for you to be there. And God put all these things in the world so that we would be able to see the faith perspective in the midst of it. And showing you <clears throat> any words as we're sending out for today. Well, I had the word of God come to mind about where Paul had a situation like this and he 
wanted God to take away this thorn that he had in his flesh. And I can't remember if it was three times, two or three times that he, because I've been in that situation and, and asked God that, or just pleading to say, please take this away or what, or make this better or whatever. And I've been given the same thing was spoken to me. It was spoken to Paul that, yeah, I said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect and weak. And it's, we know from the word that it's by grace that you're saved and think about it. All right. So you want help from God, God doing their part Well, their part is I'm not taking this away. So it's not just that God will physically do something, which they will, but it's a, the fact of, no, my grace, the fact that I'm giving you an opportunity to have salvation due to with faith in my son, that like you said, there's no time frame. You just, it's about you perfecting that that's my help, that that's me giving you what you need. So that's my part in this is that uh, I've given you grace. I've done my part and you do your part and it's okay, Paul, because you're not held to an under the law standard anymore of, um, that you're condemned anymore. So rejoice that you're not under condemnation and just realize that this is in place to keep you from getting prideful. Because if I were to make you absolutely perfected right now, you would be arrogant and that's not where I want you to be. So this is good. So just had that come to mind about, yeah, doing their part is no, I'm not doing anything. That's my part right now. So my part is not doing anything at the moment. And a lot of this is leaning on your own understanding and just coming to mind with me, something that Yah told me and it just speaks to my mind is you must do the work and it's a great thing. It's good. And that that's Yah's part. So no, this is a, just another functional, really good podcast. This is a really good topic. I'm glad that mother brought this up because it's just good to just keep in your mind that wherever you are, wherever you're doing is up to your choice. It's not about blaming God or other people. It's about making choices. And yes, y'all will do their part. And I would just say, just to leave the podcast from my part this morning is about the scripture, draw near to God and they'll draw near to you. How you draw near to God is how they draw near to you. You want help from God. Then you've got to draw near to God to ask for help. But sometimes the help is, no, you're going to do this for a time and we'll intervene when necessary, but we'll give you everything that you need. So that that's where I would, that's all I had to say so far. That's all good, and it's a good place to stop. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday evening, 730, Lord willing, and look forward to seeing what whatever y'all wants us to speak about. Uh, it'll be truth, and it'll be good. Everybody have a good weekend and a good day. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.